Welcome to the Venture Church Podcast. This sermon was taken from the life of the church. For more messages like this, please see our website, www.venturechurch.co.za. We hope you enjoy this message. Well, good morning, church. It is great to be with you this morning. Such a privilege to be back. And uh, good to see uh, many of you. I know some of you are meeting for the first time. It's uh, great to be together. Great to have my friend uh, uh, Alex here. I met Alex on the plane up. And can you imagine what it must be like coming from China to live in uh, Joburg? He's recently been sent here by his work, doesn't speak a whole lot of English, and has visited a church. He's a Buddhist, grew up in China, visited a church once in China. So he saw a church once in China and, and agreed to come along today. So let's give him a round of applause. Welcome, Alex. And um, so uh, if you get an opportunity to say hello to him afterwards, it would be, uh, it would be great to, to say hi. But really, welcome, my friend. Good to have you with us uh, today. And uh, I'm going to be way too, I'm going to ask Quentin in a moment just to come and share a prophetic word, but I'm going to be way too distracted to preach before. See, when Jesus began most of his ministry, he, he would usually start with the same words. He would say to the people, repent. For the kingdom of heaven is near. It's an amazing thought that. I mean, I, I spoke yesterday to some, some of the team about that word repent, which means turn from sin, turn to Jesus and, and step into to, to this kingdom. He said the kingdom is near. And then he explained the kingdom. He said the kingdom of God, like we know the world, we know what it's like being South African, we know what it's like being in the world, but he said the kingdom of God is different. It's a kingdom of hope. And how many of us need hope nowadays? It's a kingdom of healing, emotional, physical. It's a kingdom of healing. See, the enemy comes to rob, kill, destroy. Jesus came to give life and life abundantly. It's, it's a kingdom of freedom. That means freedom from sin, from addictions, from those things, our past, things that hold us captive. It's a kingdom of light. I mean, how many people need answers? I got saved because I was searching. I'm looking for answers, for light. He says it's a kingdom of favor. How many of you pessimists out there? Good news is it's a kingdom of favor, the day of favor of our God. It's a kingdom of vengeance. How many of you need justice? You're holding on to unforgiveness. You're struggling to forgive because you think it's not fair. Well, guess what? It's a kingdom of vengeance, the justice of God on behalf of us. It's a kingdom of sons and daughters of God. And, and he said, this kingdom is near. How near? Don't you want to see more of the kingdom break in? I mean, how many of you good Christians pray the Lord's Prayer? Lord, your kingdom come. Your kingdom come. He said the kingdom's near. And so I get distracted seeing you whole weekend with crutches on. Don't know what's wrong with your foot. You could have kicked something, had an operation. But what we know is the enemy comes to rob, kill, destroy. Jesus comes to give healing and love. So I need some help quickly. Won't some of you stand, especially those with a gift of healing. Anyone God uses you gift of healing? Don't be shy. Now's your moment to shine. Only one of you. Some of you are lying right now. You need to repent. Just, just come along. Just come along. I've forgotten your name. Sorry. Lauren. Wonderful. And uh, some of you haven't yet got the gift of healing, but God put you sitting around. Won't you come and lay hands on her as well? And uh, I'm going to pray. Father, we thank you so much for Lauren. And Lord, I don't even know what's wrong with her foot. But Jesus, what we know is you, the God who heals, who heals in the kingdom of God, 
You bind up the brokenhearted. You bring healing. The kingdom of God destroys the work of the enemy who wants to whatever destroy. And, and Jesus, we speak healing and love in your precious name right now. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. All right, Lawrence, time for you to come and dance prophetically in front of us. Let's trust the Lord. Anyone else? Anyone else? Anyone else? If the uh, kingdom of God is here. Quentin is, uh, is part of our, is part, Quentin and Nikki are part of our eldership team. And, and uh, I'm going to call them up now, but they're not just elders and they're not just friends. They're pillars in the life of our church. And I've come to appreciate Outlook Church, where I come from, has been uh, going for about 22 and a half years or something. And they came on week number three. Week number three of the life of the church, and they have been pillars in the life of the church. And how many of you have been in this church? How long has this church been going? Like 100 years, eh? 35 years. Anyone here have been in the church more than 20 years? I mean, look at this. These, I want to, well done. Give them a round of applause. This is pillars. Pillars. I'm telling you, when you, when you lead a church, you'll begin to appreciate pillars. Just being there. Pillars like these beams around here, they hold up the weight, they're just there. Sometimes the greatest encouragement for a pastor are people who are just there. <laughs> they're there. So uh, well done. I commend you. And uh, Quentin and Nikki, thank you so much. It's great having them travel. They're part of Tyron's team as well. Quentin has a great prophetic gift and felt something prophetic for the church. Quentin, why don't you come and share? Thanks, Brent. Morning, everyone. So I'd love to just read a passage of scripture that in praying earlier this week, um, I felt this for Venture Church. It's from Ezekiel 47, and we're going to read through to verse 12 of Ezekiel 47. It says, In my vision, the man brought me back to the entrance of the temple. There I saw a stream flowing east from beneath the door of the temple and passing to the right of the altar on its south side. The man brought me outside the wall through the north gateway and led me around the eastern entrance. There I could see the water flowing out through the south side of the east gateway. It's all very confusing, these directions, but it's all good. Measuring as he went, he took me along the stream for 1,750 feet, and then he led me across. The water was up to my ankles. He measured off another 1,750 feet, and he led me across once again. This time, the water was up to my knees. After another 1,750 feet, it was up to my waist. Then he measured off another 1,750 feet, and the river was too deep to walk across. It was deep, and he asked me, he said, have you been watching, son of man? Then he led me back along the river bank, and when I returned, I was surprised by the sight of many trees growing on both sides of the river. Then he said to me, this river flows east through the desert and into the valley of the Dead Sea. The waters of the stream will make the salty waters of the Dead Sea fresh and pure. There will be swarms of living things wherever the water of this river flows." Fish will abound in the Dead Sea, for its waters will become fresh. Life will flourish wherever this water flows. Our fishermen will stand along the shores of the Dead Sea all the way from this place to that place. The shores will be filled. Fish of every kind will, be, will fill the Dead Sea just as they fill the Mediterranean. But the marshes, swamps, 
The marshes and the swamps will not be purified. They will still be salty. Fruit trees of all kinds will grow along both sides of the river. The leaves of these trees will never, tur- will never turn brown and fall. There will, there will always be fruit on the branches. There will be a crop every month, for they are watered by the river flowing through the temple. The fruit will be for the food and the leaves for healing. Now, I felt God say to Venture Church that the river of life is flowing through Venture Church, but God wants to speed up the momentum. He wants to increase the flow. You'll notice there that three or four times it speaks about the river flowing, and wherever the river flowed, all these other things took place. And I felt God say to Venture Church that the time is coming, or the time is here, for the church We have heard this morning about Francis and about Mike and various other people that are stepping up to go. And I felt God saying that as those gates open up and as those those, um, sluice gates are opened and the river flows, that there will be the healing, there will be the fruitfulness, and there will be the the, um, commissioning that takes place. And so my encouragement, friends, is to be a people that go, that go. Whether it is going to your neighbor next door, whether it is going to a community in another city, whether it is going and crossing a border, but the encouragement is go. Because as the river flows, the rest happens. I love the question that the man has asked. He says, son of man, have you been watching? Have you been watching? And I felt God say that so often, just like four times, it was measured off very intentionally, 1,750 feet. It's almost like, here's the formula, here's the equation. And as you do that, you're going deeper into the river of life. But God is just not working through the structure and the engineering and the formula and the equation. Because it says the man returned back to the bank And he was surprised to see that there was so much that was happening around him. And I felt God saying that as those things that you guys are trusting for, those things that you are believing for, as you respond to a God that is calling you to go, as you pursue that thing faithfully, all those other desires, all those other requests, all those other wishes, God says one by one they're going to become, they're going to get answered. They're going to come to fruition because you are responding obediently to the going. And so my encouragement, friends, in this season, as you are walking through and walking out what God has called you to, is be a people that go. He has called us, Matthew 28, to go. Let's respond faithfully to that. Let's respond obediently to that. Not just Francis or Mike or Nadine or Yolandi or maybe the elders. As a church, we are responding, Lord. We are a going people because we trust that as we go, we do the things that you have called us to, that you're going to work on all the other things that we desire and we request. And so I would encourage you in that, friends. Take every opportunity that you have, whether it is going to Lesotho, whether it is going to Krakow in Poland, or whether it is going to the community next door, the neighbor next door, the neighborhood, the church up the road. Let's be a people that respond, a people that go. Amen. Sure, commissioning word. I always, uh, 
I wonder to myself why people call churches what they call a church. Have you ever thought, if you had to start a church, what would you call it? And I don't think names are, are, are by accident. And so guess what? If you join a church called Venture Church, don't, don't sit at home and do nothing. I mean, join the adventure. You've you got to go on ventures if you're part of Venture Church. I mean, if you join Outlook, don't be an inlooker. I mean, that's just the way it is. And so God has placed you here for such a time as this to go on adventures for the Lord. Father, thank you so much for, for this privilege, Lord, of being sons and daughters of the living God, of getting to experience you and love you and be loved by you. And so, Father, I pray that this word that Quinton has shared, the, the ministry that's come through, the prophetic words, thank you, Jesus, that you're speaking to us. Thank you, Holy Spirit, that you are that river of life. Thank you, Jesus, for your plans and purposes, which are so big and powerful. Thank you, Jesus, that you come as the, as the truth. And we're praying for your Holy Spirit of truth to come and speak into every single one of our hearts, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. How long do you normally preach for? An hour? Way too long. Okay, have you got faith for 35 minutes? There we go. Time starts after the water. Oh, oh I'm going to lose a tooth. That's all right. I want you to turn in your Bibles. If you have a Bible with you, and uh, otherwise, if you haven't got a Bible with you, you can Google it. You can put it straight into Google. And uh, I want you to turn in the book of Ephesians. And... Uh, for my friend Alex, if you don't know how to find the book of Ephesians, the pastor will help you right there in Google to find Ephesians chapter 1, 3 to 8. might even come up on the screen if, uh, if they got my scriptures in time. And I want to read a passage of scripture, and then I want to share with you, church, something that God has put on my heart. I've had the privilege of sharing it in a couple of different churches and with a couple of different uh, leaders. But uh, how are we doing? Have you found it on your device, found it somewhere? Ephesians chapter 1, verses 3 to 8. And Paul is writing to the church and he says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has, notice the past tense, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. Oh, I want you to just read this morning. I want you to think about that. Has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in Christ. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love, he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will to the praise of his glorious grace, which he has freely given us in the one he loves. In him, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he has lavished on us with all wisdom and understanding. Isn't that a beautiful passage? speaks about our Heavenly Father, and it speaks about something of the riches of our Heavenly Father. I underlined three little sections of that passage. It says, who's blessed us with every spiritual blessing in Christ. Do you think that's few or many? I mean, it's, it's many. It's the abundance. He's blessed us with every blessing in Christ. Verse 4 says, for He chose us. Chose us. You think that you chose Jesus. No, the Bible's clear. It says, He chose you. He chose you. He chose you. 
And then, at, uh, what is the next one? Verse 6, I said, So the praise of His glorious grace, which He has freely given us in the one He loved. Don't you love that? Freely given, freely given, freely given. And then that last line, it said, In accordance with the riches of God's grace that He's lavished on us. When last did you use the word lavished in a sentence? What's the Afrikaans word for lavished? <laughs> what did you say? Lavish. My, my, my point is this. My point is this. That when we speak about our Heavenly Father, it, it spoke about every blessing chosen, freely given, riches lavished on us. Don't, I want you to pick up the wealth. I want you to pick up the abundance. I want you to pick up the bigness of our God. Did you feel it from that passage? Because my heart is grieved, and I've been on a journey this year, which has been quite an emotional one. I, I spent some time in Zimbabwe at the beginning of the year. I spent a lot of time around Zululand and where I live in, uh, in KZN. I was in Pakistan for a week ministering into churches. And what I see in the church seems to be completely disconnected from what I read here. In other words, what I'm saying is, is I'm, it's, it's as if I'm seeing more and more Christians who know their sins are forgiven. They know they're going to heaven one day, but everything else on the inside seems to be poverty. There seems to be a, a poorness inside reflected on the outside, which is completely disconnected from what I read in Scripture. We read about this, this, this kingdom, this lavish kingdom, this kingdom of riches, and yet it feels like, I mean, Pakistan for me, it's my third visit I was there, and, and it just... It's, Lord, there's a, they're going in church, and remember, this is the Islamic Republic of Pakistan, so I get it's harder to be a Christian there, but you can be a Christian there. We preached outdoors in events. We, there's lots of churches, and, and there's freedom to preach the gospel, and yet there's this identity of the poor, persecuted Christians of Pakistan, and, and everything is absolute squalor and poverty. And I'm like, God, I don't understand. How is it? That we read about this kingdom of such abundance, and yet your people are living in such poverty. The Bible says, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom. In other words, it's good to start with a desperation, but then it's good to start but not stay. In other words, we should be stepping into this that we've read. Yet why are Christians stuck with a sense of inner poverty. Now, I know a couple of years ago, I preached about a poverty spirit. It's something that's, that's troubled me for years, and I'm not going to preach that again. Don't worry, but I, I want to talk about the journey that God has been taking me on in terms of this, because after 28 years of preaching the gospel, <laughs> I realized I'm doing it wrong. Y'all laugh at me. Go ahead and laugh. <laughs> but actually, it's been a, a, Lord, there must be something about the way me and we are preaching the gospel into nations where people can know their sins are forgiven, they're going to heaven, and yet everything inside of them, which is then reflected outside of them, just speaks about poverty, lack, desperation. Lord, it must be a gospel problem. I'm convinced that every problem is actually a gospel problem, and every solution is going to be a gospel solution. So, Lord, where's the disconnect what about the gospel have I not been proclaiming? Have we, as the church, not been proclaiming to people that has not just set them free of their sin, but brought them into this kingdom of abundance instead of poverty? 
And so as I've wrestled with that, I felt God begin to speak to me a couple of things. And they were sore at the time, but I'm glad he did. Number one, I came to a realization that the gospel does not start with Jesus. Now, don't get offended or stone me or kick me out. Don't worry, pastor. I mean, I've always preached Jesus, the sacrifice. He came. He died. He paid the price on the cross for our sin. The innocent one paid for the guilty ones so that the guilty ones could receive his innocence and have eternal life. And I've preached Jesus. And, and in no way am I wanting to diminish the power of what Jesus has done, but I realized the gospel doesn't start with Jesus. The most famous verse in the Bible, John 3, 16, and you can quote with me, it says, For God so loved the world that He gave His Son. In other words, it didn't start with the Son. It started with the Father who sent His Son for you and I. And I began to realize, hang on, whoa, whoa, what, what, what does that actually mean? When, when we... When we the Great Commission that Quentin mentioned in a moment in Matthew 28, we used to go out into all of the world and we need to make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the, the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And that's not just dunking them in water. That's immersing them in an understanding of the knowledge, attributes, character of their Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. The gospel started with the love of a father for his people that compelled him to send his son to reconcile them. Then I had revelation number two. Revelation number two is that the gospel doesn't finish with Jesus. And I always preach, but Jesus died, Jesus rose again, we can have eternal life. Well, what Jesus said, and we started singing that line, he said in John 14, verse 6, he said, I am the way and the truth and the life. Nobody comes to the Father except through me. He didn't say no one comes to heaven. He says no one comes to the Father. In other words, what was Jesus, why was Jesus doing it? Why was Jesus dying on the cross? Why was Jesus paying for our sin so that he could connect you with his Father? In other words, the heartbeat of Jesus was not just to give you eternal life. He says, no, no, you go to heaven, but the highlight of heaven is not heaven. The highlight of heaven is your Father in heaven. That we would see Jesus face to face. If you've seen Jesus, you've seen the Father. That's why Jesus did it. And now it's as, almost as if there's, the, there's this loop and the gospel, it, it has to start with the Father and His amazing love and Jesus, the power of the gospel who did the work of the gospel so that we could be connected back to His Father. And I suddenly realized if that loop is not closed in your life, then you're going to know your sins are forgiven. You know you're going to heaven. But, and then this was the third thing that I realized, that this inner poverty, this inner sense of lack and desperation has got nothing to do with money except it gets manifest sometimes in money. This is not about finance, and it's not about money. You know what it's really about? Value. It's about value. It's, it's, it's when you have no sense of value, you, you live a very unvaluable life. And, and then the question is, where does someone's value come from? Well, it should come from a good, good father. You see, great fathers raise their sons and give them a sense of security, identity, and value. That's where, and, and 
sadly, in so many countries, in so many of our lives, we haven't had that, but value should be imparted from a, And yet, no matter how bad of an upbringing you might have had, we can be connected to our perfect heavenly Father. And the problem is if the gospel is preached that doesn't connect people to their Father, it's not connecting them to the source of value, which is where we should get our value. Does that make sense? And suddenly I realized, well, that now, the penny dropped. That's why people know their sins are forgiven. They're going to heaven. But unless they connected in to their Father and have learned to receive that value from the Father then they're living empty, poverty-stricken lives. Because if you're poor on the inside, you're going to be poor on the outside as well. Does that make sense? And then I had another huge revelation. Because the kingdom of God is radically, radically opposed and diametrically opposite to the kingdom of the world. In the world, now here's the thing, whether you're a believer or an unbeliever, everyone wants a sense of value. You want to feel significant. You want to feel valuable. But we live in a world, we're born into a world of earning. If you want something, you earn it. And so you're born, your default setting in your heart is to go and find your value and earn your value. And so we live our lives trying to earn our value through our performance, through our ability, or our measurement of valuability for example, how rich you are, how successful you are, your abilities, your beauty, your strength, your achievements. And so we go around living our lives trying to find value. But in the kingdom of God, it's different. In the kingdom of God, there's an incredible, uh, well, we see it a couple of times. For example, when Jesus was baptized, Remember that story? It's in, uh, in Matthew chapter, chapter 3, the end of that. Jesus, he goes to John the baptizer, his cousin. He said, I need to be baptized by you. And he goes down into the water. And as he comes up out of the water, remember it said, and heaven was opened and, and the Holy Spirit like a dove comes down and rests upon him. And it says, the voice of the Father says, this is my son whom I love, with him I'm well pleased. And then a couple of years go by, and Jesus is with his disciples, and he says to, to James, Peter, John, he says, boys, let's go. They climb up a mountain together, and at the top of the mountain, it says his clothes begin to shine, and, and all of a sudden, uh, Elijah and Moses are standing with him, and out of this cloud, the voice comes, and what does the voice say? This is my son, whom I love. With him I'm well pleased. Listen to him. Isn't that amazing? The only two times we hear God speak, for the Father speak, He says the same things, and He speaks it over His Son. Now, when Peter writes about this encounter, and uh, if you do have your Bibles, you can jump across to uh, this verse in 2 Peter, chapter 1 and verse number 17. 2 Peter 1 and verse 17. Now, Peter's writing about, he was there, remember, and he watched when that cloud came down, and, and it says about Jesus, he received, say received. He received honor and glory from God the Father when the voice came to him from the majestic glory saying, this is my son whom I love, with him I'm well pleased. So where did Jesus get that sense of value, security, identity, from? where did he get it from? And how did he get it? He received it from the voice of the Father. In the kingdom of God, you receive 
that sense of value, glory and honor, you receive value from the voice of your Father. In the world, where do you get it? You earn it through your performance, through your ability, and through your achievements. And here's the big idea that I want you to grab. If as believers, we haven't made that transition, yes, I love Jesus and I know my sins are forgiven, but I haven't repented, I haven't stepped out of this worldly thinking, thinking my values based on my performance, my beauty, my strength, my looks, my achievements, you're going to spend the rest of your life trying to earn your value from the world rather than stepping into the kingdom where you learn to receive your value from the Father. And this is a critical thing because the value of the Father... Now, here's the big idea that I finally came to. You see, when this is so crucial in our lives because valuable people live valuable lives and they add value to others. But people who don't know their sense of value end up shrinking their lives down to their low sense of value while desperately trying to earn value from the world. Does that make sense? Let me say it again. This is why it's so important. Because valuable people, people who know their value, who've received it from the Father, they begin to live valuable lives, and you know that you can add value to others. But if you don't have that sense of value from your Father, what happens is you shrink your life down to whatever sense of value you feel while you're desperately trying to earn it from the world. I actually started asking people, how valuable do you feel? Imagine if I asked you that question now. How valuable? Out of 10. I mean, 10 out of 10, you feel like Jesus, most valuable person in the world. Not out of 10, you feel like worm food or something. I mean, you're just like, I mean, what would you give yourself out of 10 in terms of how valuable you feel? Average score was about three and a half. Most people live with that sense. And, 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 in a moment of honest, vulnerable confession, I'd probably put myself right there as well. Just, I don't, I don't feel valuable. And that's why I get intimidated. It's like, what value could I add? Because you think the value you add will be based on the value you feel, and then you're left trying to find value. I better preach well. I better perform well. I better do this well, because that makes me feel valuable. And it becomes this bondage of trying to live in a world and the problem nowadays is the world is not designed to make you feel valuable. It actually goes the opposite way. And you scroll through your social media comparing yourself to everyone else, and they're living these extravagant, amazing lives, and you're sitting on the couch in your pajamas, and you think, oh. Valuable people live valuable lives and add value to others. But if we haven't made this transition, if we haven't learned to hear our Father, because we're not connected into the love of the Father and hear His voice speaking value of our lives, we become enslaved to that old mentality of trying to earn it from the world. Does that make sense? And I suddenly realized I've got to preach the gospel differently. I need to preach the gospel that starts with the love of a Father that wants to be connected to you. And I've got to finish the gospel with how you can hear His voice and know your value to the Father. So what I want to do this morning is, uh, is for the next couple of minutes is just try and convince you by the power of the Holy Spirit how valuable you are to the Father. I began that journey. Lord, well, I don't feel valuable, but I don't live by feeling. I live by faith. And I need to receive it from my Father and I've found at least five ways that the Father tries to speak value over our lives. 
So let me give them to you quickly. Number one, God speaks value over your life through the way that he has made you, which is quite a surprising one. Remember, I mean, we all know that Genesis account, if you've been a Christian for a while in Genesis 1, 26, and God said, let us make mankind in our image and our likeness so that they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals, of all the creatures that move along the ground. And so God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. Do you see how many times it said he created, he created, he created? Let me say this carefully. Maybe you're an academic, you work in a university, I did science and all of those things, and, and Alex and I we were talking about this on the plane even. It's like, what about the whole evolution type thing? Where do we come from? And I know there's compelling scientific arguments and there's many similarities between our structure and makeup and some of the primates, but here's the problem. If you believe that you are a more evolved monkey, guess what your self-image and sense of value is going to be? You see, the Bible, Jesus said this. He said, wisdom is proved right by all of her children. Quite interesting, eh? In, in other words, you'll know what's the difference between a good idea and wisdom. Well, let's see what this good idea gives birth to down the line. And it seems like such a good idea. Actually, the way we were, came into being was just this evolution-type thing. And the, what that's given birth to is generations of people whose foundation of their system of value is, I'm a glorified monkey. And then you wonder why people live desperate, insecure lives trying to find a sense of value. I don't know exactly was the creation 24-hour periods or how it worked, but this is what I know. It said, He created me. He created me. The foundation of my value is the fact that my Father in heaven has created me. I can say amen to that. I don't know if you can, but, but that is radical. Now, that you know when you say everyone's special, how special do you feel? <laughs> and in some way, okay, that's a general thing. Yeah, I get it. And, and that is significant. But what about at an individual level? How valuable are you individually? I have shared this testimony before, so I'm not going to take long, but I, I wrestled as a three and a half out of ten sense of value. I, I wrestled because I would compare myself and and. I mean, remember my story about Bruce McAlpine. If you know Bruce, I mean, if he's been to the church before, and some of you have met him before, he's a, a mate of mine, leads a church. We've traveled together like 18 years, and, and, and I'm the opposite of him. And he's like extroverted. He's six foot three. He's loud. He's been there. He's done that. Bigger, better, richer. And, and I'm like, God, this is not fair. You know, when we go to South America, and in South America, they love taking photos of the preacher. I don't know why. So, so at the end of the meeting, they'd almost, oh, Brent, 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 please, we want to take a photo. Will you hold the camera while I take a photo with Bruce? I'm like, oh, whatever. And everyone wants a photo. And if he preached, yeah, he'd stand on the pulpit and talk about giants. And I was like, wow, that's amazing. And I'm like, oh, God, I think you made a mistake. I'm an introvert. I'm shy. I get nervous. And, and it's like, and then God spoke to me. In Jeremiah 1, 4 and 5, it says, the word of the Lord came to me saying, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. I appointed you as a prophet to the nations. And I remember reading that. I'd read it many times before, but I read it that day, and this little question dropped into my heart, which I'm going to pose to you. Which comes first, your DNA or your calling? 
Have you ever thought about that? Which comes first, your DNA or your calling? It says, the word of God came to me saying, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. I appointed you as a prophet to the nations. And I suddenly realized, God, before you made my DNA, you already had the plan, and you made the DNA to fit the plan. So in other words, that means I have been perfectly created to perfectly fulfill God's perfect plan. And in that moment, something just settled inside of me. I stopped kind of thinking maybe I'm inferior because I'm an introvert and not an extrovert. Out and No, no, God, you don't make mistakes. You made me like this on purpose. And some of you here today need to hear this. God has made you the way he's made you to perfectly fulfill his perfect plan. And people nowadays, they're struggling with their gender. They're struggling with their personality type. You might be struggling with your race. You might be struggling with all... And Yet God has perfectly created you to perfectly fulfill His perfect plan. Does that make sense? And when I realized that, I realized, but that makes me valuable to my Father. And, and from thinking there's a mistake, now I can celebrate the way God's made me because it makes sense. Do you know that in the Old Testament, when Solomon built the temple, it's probably still to this day the most expensive building ever made, certainly per square meter, I mean, literally, the temple Solomon built, it was plastered in gold. There was gold, 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 gold. It was, they say it's about $4 billion, and it's not a huge building. God was trying to make a point. If that was the most expensive building in the Old Testament, his temple, well, what's the temple now? You and me. The Bible says we are the temple of the Holy Spirit. And it's as if God is trying to say the, the most valuable, the most expensive building, old temple, and now you're it. I want you to realize today how valuable you are to your heavenly Father. Your body is living proof of just how valuable you are. Second one is we know we're valuable because Jesus spoke value over our lives. The same Jesus when, when uh, it says all things were created through him. So when there was the let there be light, pow, there was light. And, and this same Jesus speaking to his disciples. And uh, he has an example in Matthew chapter 6 verse 26. Jesus said this. He said, look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns. And yet your heavenly father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they and I'll just think about it. Think, everything your father has created, he's looking after. So why do you think he wouldn't look after you? And by the way, aren't you more valuable than anything else he's created? I remember this became such a, a, a one of those moments when a scripture jumps out at you and, and is kind of burnt into your heart. And uh, I, I was wrestling through some of these things. I was on a trip in South America at the time, wrestling, Lord, is there any value? I mean, why are we saying, what are we doing? All of these kind of questions of insecurity. And God spoke this verse to me. Are you not much more valuable? And I mean, I love flying. I love traveling, but I'm built for economy class. I mean, my body is the perfect size for one of those seats, and I'm a window seat to back. That's just, I'm, I'm happy. And I know if you've been on an international flight, it's like the super valuable people are up in the front. You know, you get the first class section where you've got like a whole kind of bedroom en suite, and uh, you get the business class with these huge things, and all of us plebs, we like, I'm, I'm the back of the plane kind of person, and happy there. And I remember God is speaking to me, Brent. 
Are you not much more valuable? And the next flight, I, I checked in. I was flying from Bogota in, in Colombia down to, to Sao Paulo. And as I checked in, they said, oh, Mr. Brady, can we upgrade your ticket for you? And they gave me this business class ticket. And I remember sitting in one of those seats, and it's like huge, and you lean back. It's got a built-in back massager. So I'm kind of feeling this back massaging thing happening for six hours while I'm, I'm sipping my non-alcoholic champagne, and I'm lying back there. And, and God is saying, are you not much more valuable? You see, I don't need to fly business class to feel valuable, and I haven't done it again since then. But God was making the point. God is making the point. In our eyes, and sometimes the world's eyes, we can see our value at one level. God sees us as valuable. And He speaks. Now, he's, Jesus said it a couple more times. Here's another example. In Matthew 10, verses 29 to 31, what is the price of two sparrows? One copper coin. But not a single sparrow can fall to the ground without your father knowing it. And the very hairs on your head are all numbered. So don't be afraid. You are more valuable to God than a whole flock of sparrows. Now, what's interesting, the first time he speaks about value, he's speaking about provision. He says, don't worry, you are more valuable. So the next time he says, now this sparrow falling from the sky and it's done, he said, no, 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 don't be afraid, you are more valuable. So he takes two major issues in our lives. One is worrying about provision, and the other is fearing about our well-being. And he says, the real issue in both of them is not money or safety, it's your sense of value to the Father. And this is important because we live in an age, in a country, in a situation right now where for many people, they are deeply anxious in terms of the future and provision and protection. Speaking to someone again yesterday who'd been through home invasion type thing, living with that sense of fear. Now it's real for many, many folk in our nation, in the city. And what would Jesus say? Are you not much more? valuable. You see, he dealt with worry of provision, fear of safety through this thing. If you had the revelation of how valuable to you are to your father, it brings a sense of peace to our heart. Does that make sense? It's critical we know our value to God. Here's a third way. Probably the most important way is, is, is the price that the father was willing to pay to get you back. See, the Bible's clear. It says the wages of sin is death. It says whoever sins becomes a slave to sin. So if the father wanted a relationship with you, he would have to buy you out of slavery. You can't have a relationship with someone who's a slave to another master. So if he wanted a relationship with you, he's going to have to buy you out of slavery. The problem is the price tag on the back of your neck is rather high. It says in... Uh, in 1 Peter 1, verses 18 and 19, it says, For you know that it was not with perishable things such as silver or gold that you were redeemed from the empty way of life handed down to you from your ancestors, but with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect. In other words, the price that was paid for you, the price tag on the back of your neck for the Father to get you out of slavery so that He can have a relationship with you was the blood of His Son. Now, let me be lovingly honest with you. I, I, would, I, I would consider giving my life for, for some of you, especially, let's be honest, if you're really young, one of the kids or something are like, here we go, I, I, I'll take a, a bullet for you. Would I put one of my kids in the way? No, sorry, <laughs> I just wouldn't. I'll just be honest with you. 
and yet the Father, there is no higher price that the Father could have paid to have a relationship with us. We, um, as a church, we bought a piece of land years ago. Quentin and Nikki were, were part of that whole deal. We, for years, we've been looking, and uh, now you, know, you know what it's like, looking for land, looking for facilities, and, and for years, we've been praying, 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 and, and uh, we were looking for, a, a, ideally, a church zone piece of land, because that makes it a whole lot easier to build on it, and we were told, don't waste your time, there's nothing, there's a waiting list, and then one day, a lady phoned me and said, Brent, why don't you buy this church site? I said, well, no, there's no church site, I'm afraid you're mistaken. She said, Brent, no, you're mistaken, I work here, this is my job. So then I was troopstool, and she said, okay, here it is, I'm looking at it. And I said, well, that's fantastic. Let's buy this land. The problem is, in our country, the laws have changed. You can't just buy that site from the municipality. They've got to put it in the newspaper as a public tender. This is the date, this is the time, and on that day, whoever has tendered the most gets the land. So they valued the land at 600000 but now how much should we offer? I mean, how much would you offer? I mean, we can put in 600 because they won't accept less than that. But what if someone else bids? And you don't know if anyone's bidding. I asked my friends, other pastors, none of them would, but there's a whole lot of other religions. Anyway, they could all bid as well. How much? And so we prayed and we're seeking the Lord and God spoke to us from David when he got that land for the temple, pay the full price. So yes, Lord. But what's the full price? <laughs> and I remember, long story short, eventually... Eventually, it's like, Lord, let's just give everything. So, I mean, we've been saving money for a couple of years, and we had just over a million bucks in a bank account. So, this, I mean, this goes back 12 years or something. So, that's it. Remember writing out 1 million, 1,111. We didn't want any tars. So, so here it is, 1 million, 1,000. We put in our bid, and then on the day the box was opened, and there was someone else who bid 1 million, 450. So, we won the tender by about 400 bucks. I mean, if no one else had bid, we would have wasted all of that extra 400000 The point is this. We had paid the full price, everything we had, and it was exactly the right amount. Now, now the municipality had valued the land here, but we paid here. Now, the point is this. The father didn't pay for you based on your sense of value. He didn't pay based on the value of the world. He paid on his sense of value for us. And that's a huge thing. Father, you paid that price because I'm that valuable to you. Does that make sense? For me, it's a huge thing. Thank you, Lord. Just very quickly, number, I love this, this next one. The, the, the fourth way that the Father speaks value of our lives, he's, he's paid to get us, us out of slavery, but it's almost like that's not enough. I mean, I don't just want you free of slavery. I want you at the dining room table. I want you in my family. In uh, John 1, verses 12 and 13, it says, To all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, children born not of natural descent, nor of human wisdom or husband's will, but born of God. He's so valuable to the Father that he wants you in the family. I've had the privilege over the last, I don't know, 15 years or so of, uh, of, of, of semi-adopting someone into our family. I mean, we've got two sons, 19 and, and 21, and I mean, I came from only having brothers, didn't have any daughters, and, uh, 
and, and God blessed us with, with someone who joined our family along the way. It's a long story short, but her name is Jody. She's gorgeous. I love her to bits. And, and about 15 years ago, we met her when she was still like a junior school, and my wife kind of realized there was a problem. Her mother had abandoned her. Her father was working in the harbor kind of all hours of the night. And, and, and so my wife began to help her with her homework, and, and, and coming for homework in the afternoon became coming for the weekends, and she loved now having brothers. And, and the weekend then became holidays. And eventually, long story short, she moved in. And, and she's lived with us ever since. So the last 10 years or so, she lives in her house. For a while, her dad got saved, and then he moved into the flat outside, but she's lived inside, and she's getting married. I think she's 25 now. She's getting married in two months' time, and it's super exciting. But she taught me what it means to be adopted into a family. I mean, let's be real. I'm, I'm staying with the judges, and I love staying at their home. I've stayed there many times. But you know, when I, when I walk into the house, I've grown, because this is like my fifth visit or something. I mean, I've got to, I'm landing. Well, I get to, I've got to the point now where I'm, I'm quite comfortable with maybe like taking a nachi out of, the, out of the fruit bowl or something. But you kind of, you know, if you go into someone's house for the first time, you're not exactly going to just raid the fridge, unless you're part of the family. Because, I mean, I watch my kids, there's no, there's no sense of like, can I have this or that? No, 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 no. If I'm part of the family, everything belongs to me. I mean, we, we're staying just for the weekend and already last night, hey, Nikki cooked us a dinner. You know, when you're staying for a few days, you want to contribute in some way. You know, could we maybe cook or take you to a meal? Kids, not a chance. It's like, mom, we need breakfast, lunch, and dinner, and snacks in between. That's what it means to be a child in the house. It's like your guy's responsibility to look after us. I mean, if we stayed longer, I mean, if we, like, pushed the hospitality thing to maybe, like, a month, but then I'd want to, like, contribute. You know, like, can't we, like, pay towards the food bill or the electricity bill or whatever? Kids, <laughs> not a chance. Like, pocket money. <laughs> you know, you know it's the thinking of a guest and a child are completely different. And I wonder in our lives if we've made that transition. Are we living as guests in the Father's house or are we living as children of God? We're so valuable to the Father. He didn't just pay to get us out of slavery. He adopted us into His family so that we would enjoy being part of His family. Amen. Last one, let me just land with this one. Your value is determined by your environment as well. What I mean by that is, um, I mean, I'm a coffee lover, and one of the perks, it's probably bad, I know, but I mean, our, our church, Outlook Church, we actually have a coffee shop kind of built into the church, which is super cool, because basically the perk of being employed full-time at the church is we get our cappuccinos for free. Bless the Lord of my soul. And I'll milk that privilege. I mean, it's just, so, so if I'm at Outlook, our church, I get a cappuccino for free. If I take someone to Mug and Bean, not the case. I mean, there's like 38 bucks or whatever it is to, to get your cappuccino. I was flying back from Pakistan the other day, and, and you know, sometimes you want coffee, sometimes you need coffee. And I, I remember landing in, in, uh, uh, in Dubai at like 5 a.m. in the morning after the first part of your flight, and you're just like exhausted, and you just need, and, and you just like get a cappuccino, and it's like 124 rand, which, I mean, that's if you fly internationally, you've got to get used to it. Here's the point. It was the same product, coffee, 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 pretty much the same. And after it's free, mug and bean, it's like 38 bucks or whatever, Dubai Airport, it's like 124. What's the difference? Well, the difference is the environment that you're in. 
Now, I don't want to freak you out and sound weird, but the environment that I come from, if there were potholes, which they are not, I'm pleased to say, they would be filled with gold. You see, the Bible tells us that our citizenship, our primary citizenship, is not South African or whatever other passport that you might have. It says, but our citizenship is in heaven. I carry a heavenly passport as my primary environment. And when we understand I'm primarily, I'm here in the world for a season to do the will of my Father, but primarily, I'm not South African, primarily, I'm a citizen of heaven. When we understand that, it shapes the way we see ourselves. It's a great honor and privilege to represent another nation. Church, I want to ask you, have you learned to receive your value from your heavenly Father? You see, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God should shape our sense of value and identity because we're connected to our Father. If we don't understand it, if we don't get our value from the Father, if we do, we'll begin to live valuable lives. If we don't, we'll continually be shrinking our lives while desperately trying to earn it from the world. We had a, a couple, a lesbian couple, who started coming to our church and so somewhere along the line, I sat down with them, and, and I began to ask them, tell me your story of your journey. And the one lady, she, she began to weep. She said, my father only ever wanted a rugby-playing son, and all he got was me. So he raised her to be a rugby-playing son. So all her life she knew was how to be a rugby-playing son. She went on to excel in playing rugby, but she never excelled in being feminine because the father, her dad, never treated her as a daughter. He treated her as a son who should be playing rugby. And now, all these years later, she, she's confused and broken and wrestling with her sexuality and identity, and I had to say to her lovingly, I, I had to say, can I be honest with you? You had a bad dad. And your father has led you into this mess. But the good news is, we have a heavenly father who's going to lead you back out. The gospel of Jesus Christ, Jesus is the center. Actually, it's the gospel of the kingdom, because Jesus is the king. But in this kingdom, he wants to connect us to his heavenly father. The gospel starts with the father. Jesus did the lifting. He did the heavy work so that we could be connected to the value of our Father. When we understand it, when we get our value from the Father, we'll realize, maybe I feel like a three out of ten, but I don't live by feelings. I live by faith. And by faith, I know I'm a ten. And when I begin to understand, I am valuable, not earned, given. When I know that I'm valuable, I'll start to live a more valuable life and believe that I really can add value to others. If we don't get this church, you'll spend the rest of your life desperately trying to find your value from a world and shrinking back from living the valuable life that God has called you to. May God open our eyes, give us the revelation, and learn to draw from the Father. Amen? Why don't you stand with me, please? If you don't mind closing your eyes for a moment...
Church, I believe that over the next couple of weeks and months, I think you're going to be doing a journey into identity, studying more and more the amazing, incredible identity that we have in the kingdom of God. I hope that today would be something of a launch pad. If God's called us, I love that word from Quinton about being a people, an adventurous people on mission for God. Friends, that's about believing that we, as a humble people, can actually add value to others, add value to the world. Friends, we're not going to do it if we thinking we are just a three out of ten valuable. And so, Heavenly Father, as we come before you this morning, for myself and maybe for others, we want to repent of seeing ourselves as less than 10 valuable, of allowing our feelings to dictate our sense of value, and from trying to find our value and earn our value from the world. Father, we want to step into the kingdom of God right now. We want to step in and by faith, Truly believe, Father, you have created us. And for some of you here today, you need to receive those words. God has perfectly made you to perfectly fulfill his perfect plan. Let it settle over you. Thank you, Lord, for making me the way you have. Jesus is speaking value over people. Maybe you've been wrestling anxiety over provision, fear over safety. Today, the Father wants to speak that sense of value. Are you not much more valuable? Think about how you treat your most valuable possessions. You protect them. You care for them. You lock them away in a safe because they're so valuable to you. Are you not much more valuable to your Father? Think about how much the Father has paid for you. He didn't base his price on how valuable you feel. There is no higher price that the Father could possibly pay. There is no higher price in the universe. That's how much He paid to get you out of slavery. He's brought you to the dining room table to be part of His family. That's how much the Father loves you and how valuable you are to the Father. He doesn't want you on a feeding scheme. He wants you around the dining room table member of the family. He wants to remind us we're citizens of heaven in Christ. In Christ, seated in heavenly places. In Christ, with access to the Father. Father, I pray that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you would help us to make this repentant decision. That you would help us by your Holy Spirit to embrace a new understanding, a new thinking. That you'd help us to receive and not try and earn and that as we do, we would begin to live out valuable lives to the glory of God because we ask it in Jesus' name. And God's people saying, yes. amen. May the Lord bless you. Thank you so much once again. It's been uh, brilliant seeing you all. Thank you for the opportunity to come and minister and host us so well. God bless and amen. Thank you for listening to this sermon. We would love to know how this message spoke to you. Please connect with us through our website www.venturechurch.co.za or through our various social channels.